Welcome to Beyond the Silo, grain marketing tips for growers. 20 years ago, grain marketing was relatively simple. Wheat to the wheat board, barley to the barley board, and no one really got any less than their neighbour. In today's deregulated grain market, the choices for selling grain are much more complicated. However, grain growing only works if you can sell it and get paid for it. Growers can ignore marketing or spend every breathing moment thinking about it, but at some point, that grain has to be sold. This podcast series is about giving interested growers a starting point for understanding what makes up a price, different types and times of contracts, the contracting process, and what to do if it all goes pear-shaped. To dissect it all, I'm joined in the Grain Producers SA studio by independent agricultural consultant, Jonathan Wilson. Jonathan, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me here. Jonathan, we're going to take a deep dive into grain marketing. It's a 101 kind of look in some regards, but the first question is, why should people listen to what you've got to say? What's your background? I've got nearly 20 years experience in the grains industry, including senior roles in trading, uh, marketing. I've got a lot of experience in dealing with primary producers, but also right through to the end user. I am totally independent, so I've got no skin in the game. So however a grower chooses to sell grain uh, or where they choose to sell grain or who they choose to sell it to, I've got no interest in that financially or any other way. It's uh, simply total independence from my point of view. So all I'm interested in doing is I'm interested in trying to illuminate, I guess, some of the issues that uh, we have seen happen in markets and especially with contracts. Uh, but like I say, I'm totally independent with a lot of experience across the whole industry. And my business is advising agricultural businesses uh, on commercial matters, uh, on strategic direction, and that's across a lot of different agricultural sectors. Well, Jonathan, you're independent, but how then did this series come about? It's really by three different actors. The first one is Grain Producers South Australia, and they're the grower advocacy body for South Australian growers. And while we will focus on the South Australian market in this series, it's really relevant across much of Australia. The second body is Grain Trade Australia. Uh, That's an industry body and their role is to ensure the efficient facilitation of commercial activities across the grain supply chain. And this project is proudly supported by the South Australian government. There's a number of players here to try and help educate producers in terms of dealing with the market. But that raises a question for me. The days of the boards have been long gone. So why now do we need this education when producers have been dealing with the free market for a long time? You're right. 20 years ago, things were much simpler for growers. They could focus on the agronomy. They could focus on simply just producing the grain, getting it out of the ground and producing as much of the grain as possible, and then passing it off to you know wheat to the wheat board, barley to the barley board, made things very simple. I think what we've seen is we've seen somewhat a, a decline in the availability of information for growers in terms of marketing options and also in in contracts. I think some growers have been very adept at adapting to the deregulated environment, but a lot of growers, it's still not something they're interested in. I mean, you want to get a grower excited. You don't talk about grain markets and contracts. You talk about the colour of their header. You know, if it's not red, 
leave her in the shed. If it's green in the paddock, it's green in the field. So, yeah, growers are excited about the colour of their header. They're not excited about markets. They're certainly not excited about contracts. That's a drain on their energy. And that's not something that's changed in the last 20 years. What has changed in the last 20 years is that you no longer have the backstop of the single desks for wheat and for barley, and you know you're not going to get you know significantly more or less on your neighbour. The way that you sell grain, who you sell grain to, when you sell grain has significant impacts on your bottom line. Ultimately, growers might be very interested in growing grain. They should also be very interested in their bottom line. The need for more information makes sense then. Also, when you look at it in the context of the size of the industry, it's a massive industry and doesn't seem to gain the the traction that other industries, which are smaller but deemed as sexier, like wine. Yeah, so, I mean, you look at grains in South Australia, we're the single biggest industry and the single biggest segment for the South Australian economy. We are double the size of wine, we're 30% bigger than livestock, we are many times bigger than dairy, and yet what gets the attention are the, uh, you know, as you say, the sexy industries, you know, the, the wine industry, it's something that's really tangible, and people love talking about South Australian wine. They should also love talking about South Australian beer, and that starts to get us a little bit more excited, because there's obviously grain going into that. But you look, we're employing around 4,000 professional grain growers in South Australia, so the industry is very significant in terms of its economic contribution. And while we're talking about marketing, we're not talking, you know, at this series, we're not going to talk about, you know, the in-depth markets. We're to- really just kind of skimming the top so people can get a, an understanding if they if they want to take it further and know more than they can do that. But at least this way, they're getting a, a starting point for what the opportunities could be. The thing I probably find somewhat daunting when talking grain marketing is the jargon. There's a lot of acronyms and there's a lot of terminology. It's a little bit like the IT industry. If you don't have a a TLA, then you're in real trouble. A TLA being a three-letter acronym. Um, We've got a lot in the grains industry, a lot of different things that we talk about. Hopefully, as we talk through it, we will explain the different terms, but lots of industries try to make things sound a lot more complicated than they are. So when we talk about X-Farm, we want you to understand what we mean by X-Farm. When we say FIS or free and store, we, we will hopefully explain what we mean by those. So when we talk about old crop, you'll know what we're talking about. When we talk about new crop, you'll know what we're talking about. When we talk about red crop, which will, won't be very much, you'll know what we talk about. You alluded to earlier that farmers often get more excited about what's in the shed than a contract, but at the end of the day, that's about what pays for in the shed and your family and everything else. So I guess it's a good reason to get a little focused on it. It certainly is, you know, and I guess one of the things that I love about the grains industry is the passion of the people in it, particularly growers. You know, and I've, I've stood by watching growers cheerfully ribbing at each other. You know, someone's driving something green and, you know, they think that looks not very good. And, you know, another one says, if it's not blue, it won't do. But as you say, ultimately, the green that people should be worried about is what goes into their bank accounts or in the pockets at the end of the day, because uh, that's what keeps them rocking up year after year. And Ultimately, if growers don't put grain in the ground and aren't profitable, then the industry collapses and all us hangers-on in the industry are in trouble too. So, you know, there's a bit of self-interest going on here too. I want growers to be profitable, but recognising that profit's not 100% of the business, but it is something that's quite important. You occasionally hear bandied around, well, I can't control the prices, so why would I be interested in knowing more about pricing? Look, absolutely. There are lots of things we can't control. I like to say you control the things that you can control. The stuff you can't control, you can't control when it rains or how it rains or where it rains, but you can be ready for it. And so it's the same with prices. You can't control where the price is going to go up or when it's going to go up or down, but you can be ready for it. We're taking a broad brushstroke here. We're talking about grains 
broadly. So is there a need for us to drill down in any particular variations between wheat and barley? Or No, I think the underlying assumptions behind all pricing is the same. You know, we'll talk probably more about wheat than anything else. One, it's our biggest crop, both by volume and value, but also it's the one where the pricing mechanisms are seen the most clearly. But the underlying assumptions are the same. And the way that you contract is essentially the same, whether it's wheat or barley or lentils or canola. And it's also the same regardless of whereabouts you're actually looking to sell it. So it doesn't really matter what port zone you're in. Some of the opportunities might be different, but the underlying assumptions would be the same. Jonathan Wilson, thank you for joining me in the GPSA studio. No worries, thank you. The information presented in this podcast is general in nature only and does not constitute legal, financial or investment advice. Listeners should seek professional advice relevant to their individual circumstances before making any decisions. While every effort has been made to ensure the information in this podcast is correct at the time of publication, we do not warrant, guarantee or accept any liability arising from its accuracy, reliability or completeness.